Well, hey, everybody, it's great to be with you today. Have you ever just completely misread a situation uh, where, where you eventually had to admit like, whoops, my bad. Now, before you go and try to say that you haven't done that, I know better. I'm not the only one. We all do this to some degree. And, and every time I do, I kind of feel like I'm having one of those out-of-body experiences where like uh, all of a sudden everything stops and I, I think that there's like maybe a blue circle kind of going around above my head and that voice, the GPS voice saying, recalculating. About 10 years ago, I was working as a trainer uh, for a company that did training for heating and cooling professionals. And so I was doing this three-day seminar out in Las Vegas and we were on a break and I was in line in the restroom and I kind of think like as I'm telling this story, it reminds me that I might actually be turning into my mother because my mom can't stand it when no one's saying anything. And so I was standing in the line and no one was saying anything. And so I tried to strike up a conversation with this guy because we were standing there and I see this big sign that says the blind center. And so I asked the guy next to me, don't you think it's strange that the blind center is on the second floor? Doesn't that seem like it just makes it unnecessarily hard to get to? And he just stopped. Everything stopped. And he just stared at me for the long, it seemed like 10 minutes. And then he finally said, uh, I think that's where you go to pick out blinds for your house. Whoops, my bad. You see, I didn't have all of the context. I didn't understand the whole situation. I thought about it in an entirely different way than he did because he knew more about what was going on than I did. He knew that all of the businesses in the building were all home improvement related, but I didn't know that. And so what happened was we both looked at exactly the same words and came to entirely different conclusions. We just understood the situation entirely differently. Well, the same kind of thing can happen to us when it comes to Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is without a doubt one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. Even if you've been in church, uh, this is your first time at church, or if you've been in church your whole life, you've heard some of Psalm 23. It's just one of those things that gets put into a lot of the things that we do. And so we recognize some of the words. And so when we say those words, these images pop into our mind. And why does Psalm 23 resonate with so many of us, especially in times of trouble or distress? Well, because it provides comfort. It's very comforting to many, many people. But when we don't understand the full context of Psalm 23, or maybe a little bit more about what was going on when it was written, then we can kind of miss some of the deeper level of truths that are contained in its words. And so we easily end up thinking like, oh, well, that's, that's just something that you read at funerals because that's probably where we hear it more often than not. But when we understand the deeper levels of what's going on, we start to realize that this is not just a psalm that's written for us in times of trouble, but it's something that's written to us in our daily lives. It reveals truth about who we are and who God is and who we are in relationship with God in ways that impact every single aspect of our lives. And so we're going to take a look at Psalm 23, just a little part of it today. But before we do that, let me just pray for us. 
Lord, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you that by the power of your word, you continue to call your body together in whatever way, shape, or form you see fit. And so, Lord, would you just come to us today by the power of your Holy Spirit? And would you provide clarity? Would you provide new perspective? Would you reach into our hearts and change the way that we think about things so that we can be exposed to a deeper level of truth, to all of the things that you really do offer us and want for us? Would you show us your heart in a new way today that, that changes everything about who we are and who we are in you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we hear the words of Psalm 23, like I mentioned, it always sounds a little bit familiar because some of those words uh, just call up images in our mind immediately. And so for me, when I hear the words like green pastures and uh, still waters and things like that, the things that usually pop up to my mind look a lot like Ireland because that's what I think of. And when Tammy and I traveled to Ireland a few years ago, we saw green pastures. We saw still waters. We, we saw sheep and shepherds and all of these kinds of things. And that just sort of cemented it in my mind even more. But how about you? What do you think of when you hear the words of Psalm 23? When, when we heard the people reading it in the video earlier, what were the images that came to your mind? I would argue that in our Minnesota context, it's, it's pretty easy to think of things like knee-high, lush, green fields that are just seemingly unending, beautiful waterfalls, lakeside, uh, lakefront, you know, still waters, all these kind of serene landscapes. But I would propose to you that we're often imagining exactly the opposite of what is intended by the psalmist. The actual setting of Psalm 23 looks a lot more like this. Take a look at this picture. Not quite so green, huh? Not quite the lakefront property we had in mind. But this photo gives us a much more accurate picture of what the landscape looked like when King David actually wrote the words of this psalm. And this is the kind of the environment that the Bible refers to over and over as wilderness or desert. And guess what? This is still the way it actually looks today. And there are still shepherds that are tending their flocks in places that are just like this. So if we can keep this picture in our minds, instead of just calling up the images that maybe more familiarly pop up into our minds, then I believe we can start to see this psalm in a whole new way. We can appreciate the depth of truth in it more, my hope is, more than we ever have before. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at each verse in Psalm 23 with the hope of bringing it to new life in new ways in the middle of whatever circumstances you are facing in your life there is something contained in this psalm that actually brings us the kind of comfort that only God can provide. He's guiding us and he's teaching us in ways that I hope will be revealed to us over the next five weeks. And so this week, we're only going to focus on the very first verse. It's just very simple. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. Now, this statement is actually a declaration of trust more than anything else. This is King David confessing his faith that the Lord is his shepherd. And again, to you and me in modern day Minnesota, that may not mean very much. But here's the thing. We don't really understand the context because we don't tend to spend a lot of time tending flocks of sheep in the desert and wilderness areas of the Middle East. So we have to remember the image that we're talking about here. And we also have to know a thing or two about sheep. And so here are some things that we got to remember. Sheep, especially in this kind of wilderness environment, out in these open areas, will die without a shepherd. They die without a shepherd. They cannot care for themselves. They actually need to be under the shepherd's supervision on a moment-by-moment basis. More than any other kind of livestock, sheep require endless attention and meticulous care. And so for David to refer to the Lord as his shepherd means that he's trusting that the Lord cares. Not just in a general sense, like the Lord cares, big deal. No, the Lord cares about him. He says, my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. So the Lord cares about him. And he's actually confessing in that and admitting that he's not able to do the things that he needs to do for himself and instead is entirely dependent and relies only on the Lord to care for him and to provide him everything that he needs in order to live. Now, I'm certainly not claiming to be a sheep expert by any stretch of the imagination. But like I said, it's important that we know something about sheep so that we can understand a little bit more about the depth of truth that's contained in here. I've learned that sheep are not necessarily the brightest of animals. They're actually quite vulnerable. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with sheep, especially again when they're out in the open. They're even more vulnerable. They can't really fight. They can't really run very fast. And they kind of follow one another in good ways and in bad ways. If one of them goes off into a crevice or a ravine or some area that they're not supposed to go into, you can rest assured that other sheep will go right after that sheep. Even if the whole thing gets piled up with sheep, more sheep will continue to try to get in there. They all want to pile in there. A pastor friend of mine from Iowa tells this story. He got a, an email from a congregation member of his that said that he was bringing his sheep on a familiar path back home one night. And as they were going back home, there was a branch that had fallen across the path. Full stop. The sheep, all of them, just stopped and didn't know what to do. Now, the branch was not very big, and they could have easily stepped over it, but they would not cross it. They could not figure out how to step across over that branch, and they needed to wait for the shepherd to move it out of the way. And did you know that if a sheep falls down and, and kind of rolls enough over that all of its feet go off the ground, that it actually can't right itself and stand back up? It will lay there, and the pressure that is exuded on it will actually cause it not to be able to breathe. And eventually the sheep will asphyxiate and die. And so the shepherd must pay close attention at all times and react quickly or 
the sheep die. So there's a much deeper relationship, a much more special relationship between the shepherd and the sheep than we ever probably really consider, especially in our context in Minnesota, modern day. We don't know a lot about this kind of thing, especially in those areas. But this is far from an easy job. Shepherds do some of the most brutal and exhausting work out in the middle of the desert, in the beating sun, the heat is scorching, and they're taking care of these sheep that are very vulnerable. And so that's one of the key characteristics about this special relationship between shepherds and sheep that I want to bring up today. Sheep must be led or they're dead. Sheep must be led or they're dead. And interestingly enough, this is true for God's people as well. Remember, God's people and Israel in particular are referred to in many places throughout Scripture as sheep. God's chosen people are desert people. They're wilderness people. When we read in the book of Exodus about how God brought his people up out of slavery in Egypt, it says they walked in the wilderness for 40 years. And because of that, we often wrongly assume that these people were just sort of wandering around out in the wilderness. Because when we use that word wandering, which we use a lot, it implies that they were just sort of aimlessly, without any point or direction or goal, wandering around out in the wilderness with no plan. But that's not at all what was really going on. God was leading them just like a good shepherd leads his sheep. Take a look at Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22. This is talking about how God was leading the people in the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. They weren't wandering around aimlessly. They weren't lost. They were going exactly where God was leading them. Because God was in the process of molding and shaping this people to become living witnesses to who he is, that they might come to know and believe and to trust that what God had said about himself is actually true. The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. And so in other words, the Lord spoke to his people as well while he led them. He led them in the wilderness, yes, by the pillar of smoke, by the pillar of fire, but he also spoke to them. He talked about who he is. He, he talked about who they are in him. He communicated with them just like a good shepherd does because a shepherd, each one, communicates to the sheep with their voice. And each one has a special sound that they make. It, maybe it's sometimes a song that they sing. And the sheep know that voice. And so the shepherd, just by his voice or her voice, is able to command the sheep to stop or move or let them know when it's time to eat or drink just by the sound 
of the voice. And this should start to sound a little bit familiar. And so the second characteristic I want to talk about in this special relationship between shepherd and sheep is that sheep know the shepherd's voice. They know their shepherd's voice. They can come out when the shepherd calls them. And they know they don't even have to see the shepherd. They know just by hearing that that's who it is. And so in John chapter 10, in, in the gospel of John, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about all this. He, he uses this metaphor of shepherd and sheep, just like we've been talking about in Psalm 23. And so when Jesus is talking about all of these different ways that he is fulfilling all of these different prophecies and all of these different promises that have been made to people for generations and generations and generations. Look at what he says in John 10, verse 3. He says this about the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And while we take comfort in that, and we take a serious amount of concern over whether or not we're listening to the voice of our shepherd, I think it's right that we do that, because we live in a world that is full of distractions, don't we? There are many voices that we can choose to listen to, many things that compete for our attention. And sometimes we follow the wrong voices. Sometimes we go out after strangers who are calling us away. And so today I'd like you to just ask yourself, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what circumstances that you're in, good or bad, ask yourself, Whose voice am I really listening to? Who is my shepherd? Who or what has my trust right now? What am I believing in? What am I trusting in? What am I putting my faith in now? The truth is that there are indeed many shepherds in the world. But there is only one good shepherd. There's only one good shepherd. And so as Jesus continues to talk to the religious leaders in John chapter 10, this whole thing is fascinating. You should read the whole chapter, John chapter 10. But he says in verse 14 about himself, this is Jesus, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And so what Jesus is saying here is that he is the one who has come to care for God's people. He is the one that shepherds the sheep of God in a way that cares for our every need. He's the one that opens the gate in order to bring more and more sheep who are outside into the sheepfold. He is the one who knows each of us by name. He calls out to us by name and invites us to follow him. And so just think about that promise for a moment, 
that Jesus makes to each one of us. Your good shepherd has named you. He knows you. He loves you. And he invites you to come and follow him. That's an amazing thing. He, he named you. He knows you. He loves you. And he wants to be with you. So he's inviting you to come and be with him. But what about when tragedy strikes? What about when circumstances don't go our way? What about when anxiety and fear and stress take over? What about when we make bad decisions or we, we make mistakes? We're embarrassed of them and we, we want to hide so that nobody will find us. Well, when a sheep wanders off and gets lost, eventually, because it can't hear the voice of the shepherd anymore, it knows that it's lost. And once it knows it's lost, it tries to find a place to hide. It'll find a place to hide under a bush or a rock. And there it will become more and more anxious and more and more afraid. And as it becomes afraid, it starts to quiver and it starts to bleat. And it starts making all kinds of noise enough that predators can hear that noise and they will likely find and kill that sheep unless the shepherd intervenes. And so the bad shepherd, the one who is the wrong voice to listen to, has nothing to say because the bad shepherd is not coming to help that sheep at all. But what about the good shepherd? The good shepherd is the one who actually sets out to find the lost sheep. And when he finds that sheep, that sheep is likely going to be too traumatized to even walk. And so the shepherd will scoop up that sheep and put the sheep on his shoulders and carry the sheep when the sheep is not able to walk for itself. And he'll walk it all the way back to the sheepfold, to the other sheep, and return it back to the community. And he will rejoice and he will tell everybody the good news that this one sheep was lost and now has been found. That's the kind of shepherd that King David had. But what about you? Who is your shepherd? The reality is that we all have seasons of wilderness. We all have times where we feel like we're out in the desert being scorched in the heat. We all lose our way sometimes. Even King David himself made all kinds of mistakes. But the reality is at one point or another, we have a choice to make about what we do. Are we going to be in hiding? Are we going to be afraid? Are we going to be hoping that this all resolves itself? Or are we looking for someone who can actually help us? So maybe you're in this season of wilderness right now. Or, or maybe you're just coming out of that season of wilderness. And you definitely don't want to go back. But the truth is, we all come to a point at some time or another that we have to decide what do we do? Who do we listen to? 
how do we find our way? How do we know that the good shepherd is coming to find us? And the wilderness is an area where, yes, faith can be tested, and it certainly is. But it's also a place where faith is given. Faith actually comes alive. I don't know if you know this, but sheep were actually designed by God to be really good listeners. Because most of the time when they are walking out on the open and they're grazing, their noses are to the ground. They're not paying much attention to what's going on with their eyes, but they rely on hearing the voice of the shepherd. And so when the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 talks about faith comes by hearing, and we as God's people are his sheep, I think that's a message to us too, that when we hear the voice of the shepherd in our times of wilderness, where we have not a chance to depend on anything except the one who is ultimately and finally dependable. That's when God gives us faith to believe what we can't see. The voice of the good shepherd is who speaks comfort into the middle of our situation. That's the kind of shepherd that David is talking about in Psalm 23. And so here's today's big idea. To live fearlessly, follow the good shepherd's voice. To live fearlessly, follow the good shepherd's voice. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a good shepherd. That because of who you are and what you've done for us, that you have revealed to us truth that we can trust you, that we can depend on you for our every need, that instead of falling short and chasing after the, the wants of the world, Lord, you provide everything that we need. We thank you that even when we're lost and we run astray, that you come to find us and you collect us and you carry us when we can't walk for ourselves. Lord, we reach out to you in faith right now in this moment and we ask you to be our good shepherd now more than ever, to lead us through the circumstances of the world, the uncertainties that we all face, not just in the world, but even in our own church and in our own lives, all of the things that are going on, Lord, you know more than anyone. You know how to find us when we feel like we're hiding and we're afraid. So Lord, may we tune our ears to the words that you are speaking. May we follow you knowing that you are our true and ultimate satisfaction and that everything else pales in comparison. We thank you for this special relationship, Lord, that we have with you, even if we don't fully understand it. Lord, would you continue to speak words of faith and give us guidance and give us nourishment that we might come to know you better and follow in your ways. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The reality, like we talked about, is that all of us are going to face times of struggle. Think about the current status of our world right now and everything that seems to be going wrong. We can't even get people to agree on what the path forward is.
And so there's a lot of fear and anxiety, and it's totally understandable. But what would it be like if we could actually recall these comforting words of Psalm 23 to help us remember that in these times of struggle and uncertainty, that we actually do have a good shepherd? And what would it be like for us to do that in a way that we didn't have to go and find it on a device or look it up in a book? What would it be like if we could just speak those words to one another as a means of encouragement to one another and a means of encouragement to ourselves? Because these are the words of our good shepherd. And so what I'd like to ask of you is over these next five weeks, would you consider memorizing Psalm 23? It's only six verses long. And I'm talking about adults, kids, everybody. Could we do this as a church? Could we memorize Psalm 23 so that we know without a shadow of a doubt that we have this good shepherd who continues to speak to us? And I want you to have fun with this. I want you to do this and record it on video. When you have it memorized, would you upload that video? We're going to create a special place for you to do that on our news and events page uh, on the website. And so we will uh, send you a reminder here in the chat right now, but then just check the news and events page and upload the video to that link when you have it memorized. Be as creative and as fun with this as you want. We'd love to see you do this. And we'd love to know that people are actually interested in memorizing this, not just for the sake of going through the motions and memorizing, yay us. No, that's not what we're doing. We're doing this because in the middle of the times of struggle that we each have, what we have stored in our brain will be what we go to in terms of what comforts us. And so when we have the words of our good shepherd in our brains and coming out of our mouths, then we can be an encouragement to ourselves and to one another. So would you please do that? Let's try it together and see what happens. Next week, we're going to continue our series in Psalm 23. We're going to be looking at verses 2 and 3. And our friend Rick Madsen is actually going to be here. He's going to be preaching. And so you're not going to want to miss that. And for now, let's just, as we close out our time together, let's just worship together and remember about the good news of Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. <laughs>